Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, joined by veteran broadcaster Randall Carlisle. Turn Odyssey House marketing person. <laughs> yes. And you've told me you have never been as happy in your professional this life. This is the best job I've ever had. Because if you haven't watched previous podcasts, I'm a recovering alcoholic, you're a recovering alcoholic, and I've never had a chance to work with a treatment program or work with other people in recovery except to go to AA meetings. And so every day I get to try to tell good stories about what Odyssey House is doing. And it's just, as and opposed to going out and covering murders and fires and things like that, it's, it's really rewarding. And Randall, you've had some of the best jobs. You were an anchor in Salt Lake for how many years? Uh, off and on for 20 or 30 some years, I guess. And then I spent two years in uh, Minneapolis, two years in Dallas. Uh, so I've been around the block, but I spent most of my time here. So, And to be able to retire from broadcasting and do something that's even more fulfilling, because I know a lot of people, we broadcasters, it's the funnest thing you ever get to do. Right. And, and I, I don't miss it at all. It's just, I, this has been, this has just been so much fun. Uh, you know, and, and the thing about working at Odyssey House is we have success stories like the woman you're going to meet here. But, and we have a lot of failures too because treatment programs, not everybody is right for Odyssey. Odyssey's not right for everybody. Some people who are trying to do recovery aren't ready to do recovery so they could go to any program in the world and it wouldn't work. So it's just... You know, but, but seeing the success stories is just, to me, going to one of our graduations and hearing each person talk about how, how horrible they thought Odyssey was at first and how they, how they, they stuck it out and they, they graduated and they're so proud of what they've done because one of our, one of our program directors who, run, who was running our adult house, and I, and I would agree with this too, he said, if you can make it, if you can graduate from Odyssey, you can do anything in life. And it's that tough. It's oh. that tough, but it works if you can do it. You well, know? speaking of our wonderful guest, yeah, let's yeah, go ahead. We, we, we shut her out here. <laughs> Sabrina. Did you enjoy, you've got a really good seat to tea, see a <laughs> couple old farts going back and forth. <laughs> do you feel pretty good about yeah, that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's fun. Fun voice. So please tell us a little bit about your story. So you're in Odyssey House now. Um, I graduated. I graduated Odyssey. In She's one of those people who can do anything in life now, mm -hmm. see? Yeah, um, I graduated at the end of 2015. I entered in July of 2014. And so I did um, 10 months in residential and then about seven months of um, the Voyagers, the outpatient the aftercare, and then uh, graduated. And, and they stayed continuing going to graduates group while I lived in sober living. And now I've been out on my own in the, in the world since. So you, you went through an amazing change. Oh, a huge change. So talk about that first time that you walked into Odyssey House. What were you thinking? <laughs> I was terrified. I was just like, I just wanted to leave and go smoke a cigarette more than anything else. Like, no. Oh, by the way, yeah, mm -hmm. and Randall, we, and our yeah, last we, show, I forgot to mention, this is a smoke-free environment. Yeah, we don't allow mm -hmm. smoking. We used to mm -hmm. years ago, and we changed that. Partially because of the county, we, we get a lot of county funding. When the county decreed that their, all of their facilities were going to be smoke-free, they expected the people they were giving county grant money to to be smoke-free as well. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the biggest... Yeah. You know, when I pick up people from jail and bring them to Odyssey House... And you do that? Yeah. That's another one of the 
fun things I do because what's cool about that is you see somebody coming from jail and you pick them up right at there. I mean, you go in, into the jail, pick them up, put them in your car and, and drive to Odyssey Admissions and to see them like six months or nine months later doing really well in our program. Do, do you think the people in jail are going... Wow, that is the Channel 4 anchorman picking this person up. Is he a snitch? Well, I, I wore a Channel 4 coat the first time I went to pick up some people. And, and you're in, you're in a, a holding area in the back of the jail that's for uh, where they pick up uh, prisoners to take them to court hearings and also to release them to treatment centers. And so somebody recognized me and let me in. But then when I was in there, standing there with the cha- some guy, a supervisor came up and said, we don't allow news people in here. I said, I'm not, I don't have a camera. I'm not here. I'm working for Odyssey House. I'm here to pick up somebody. So, but anyway, that's a, that's a reward. But we got off the track. So that's one of the first things, with folks. One of the first things people ask in the car is we hear you can't smoke at Odyssey. So you were your first day you're there and you've got an addiction and you've got Probably a small addiction to cigarettes as well. Well, so I had gotten out released from the jail about four or five months before I admitted into Odyssey. So I had that time sober. My time, I think I was like six or seven months sober when I went into Odyssey. So it was really hard because in my mind, I'm like, I've stayed sober. I've been fine, you know? Well, I would think that you probably had some confidence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I I knew when I went to jail that I was done that time. So I was like, this is it. Like, they had, uh, I'd lost custody of my son. When they booked me, like they took him, removed him from the home while I was in booking, and so I had to say goodbye over the phone. So that was it. I was just wow. like, "Well." How old was your son at the time? Um, he was seven. He was seven. At the the time. hardest phone call you've ever made. Oh, by far. It was, I use it as an example often as the worst day of my life it turned out to be my biggest blessing. Like, had that day not happened, the way that it went, having my son removed at the time that I was taken into jail. Because I'd gone to jail over and over, but I kept, my son was in a home with family members that were using. So I'd just go right back to my son, eventually right back to using. So had they not removed him and taken me to jail that day, I don't know that it would have turned out the same. But, um... What did you say on the phone when you had to... So um, he was going to go into foster care, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And and you knew that, and you could talk from jail. What Mm -hmm. what... Well, so I didn't, they told me that they were going to have him removed. I figured by the time I, I mean, I stayed downstairs at the courthouse because they arrested me at court. I stayed down there for hours. So I figured by the time I had called home, he was already gone. But it was just like you could hear the chaos of the house. You know, you have everybody's on some kind of drug. So all emotions are extremely escalated. My mom's screaming. My brothers are screaming. My son is just bawling. And I mean, I was just like, it'll be okay. You know, like, it'll be okay. I'll be back. I promise I'll be back. You know, it was the hardest well, conversation I've ever had. Yeah. And what did what <laughs> did you, get emotional? No, I mm. I understand. It's emotional. <laughs> mm. What did your son say? He was just didn't. He was just scared. Like, mommy, please no, come get me. Don't let him take me. You know, he was just scared. Huh. So, I mean, that's he was living a really, really, really rough life. Like, he wasn't going to school. And because of all the drug use that was going on in the home, he was pretty much just locked up in a room. Like, he would just stay in his room and play his video games. And we had um, his German Shepherd, and we had been in a house, and so she had free range of the backyard. 
but we were in an apartment and she would jump out. We were on the bottom floor. She would always run off. So she had this rope that was tied to the bed that reached throughout the entire house, but he just pretty much was locked up in this room with his dog. So yeah, it was. And he knew mommy was using drugs. He didn't. My son never knew it, didn't know I was using drugs till um, I was in Odyssey. And then we were actually at Lagoon and he called me out on it. My mom had told him the truth and so he called me out at Lagoon. And he was like, well, it's now it's time. You don't see that on the Lagoon commercial. <laughs> no. <laughs> Going down uh -huh. the roller coaster with your son, mommy. Mm -hmm. you using, oh. Yeah, but I told him, I was like, don't go on the rocket. It's not scary. And he's like, it's not? I'm like, no, I promise it's not scary. He's like, you never lied to me, right, mom? I'm like, right. He's like, but you did lie. You told me you never did drugs, and you did. And I was like, oh, well, there's a ton of bricks, you know? So he just kind of broke down there at Lagoon and, wow. and dealt with that then. But yeah, he, my son didn't know what I was using, my whole drug use. So, for those people, and we always on this show try to talk <laughs> to people who are out there who might have a loved one, a spouse, child, whatever, that it looks like problems are insurmountable, but there are answers. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about the worst day of your life. Yeah. Also being maybe the best day of your life. Yeah. Well, my life has been a series of, of those kinds of events where it was like, once you rock bottom, you know? For me, rock bottom... For me was losing my son rock bottom looks different to a lot of people so yeah that was i mean that was the reality of this is my rock bottom it just changed everything like it was my biggest blessing that day i, I don't know that i would have ever found a way out so you have a unique story in that you went to odyssey house sober mm -hmm. though many people coming from jail obviously you have to de you have to detox before yeah. you can get into odyssey's program so you at least mm -hmm. have to be how long, what, what was your drug of choice? Heroin. Heroin. Mm -hmm. So what's it? The dope sickness and, and detoxing is what, five to seven days, something would, like that? I would say 14, just 14. for the anxiety afterwards, you okay. know? It's a mental stability of trying to keep your feet on the ground. Like, almost literally, your legs just keep going. There's just a lot of anxiety with withdrawals. So so people get in, they're, all, they're always sober, because right? they have to be. That's, sure. yeah. that's a rule. But I, so I was sober in jail. I was released from jail in April on ankle monitor. And then um, I was released from ankle monitor in May. And then I went into Odyssey in July. But I, w I was arrested in February. So I had from February to July sober. And a, a good portion of that on the streets around my friends and stuff. And held myself while I was UAing for DCFS a task. And, and with the... Shed program, they have UAS us around them as well. So, yeah, I had a lot of confidence walking in there, like, I, you know, I got this. I don't need to be here, you know? And they had to tear um, that down a little bit. Well, and I always accepted that I had to be there because I was my requirement to get my son back. They had sentenced me to House of Hope and I wouldn't check in and got sanctioned by Family Dependency Drug Court for that. So it was like, Odyssey was my last stop with DCFS. They were done with me. Like, they, I hadn't UA'd up until my release from jail, and my case had been going on since November before that. So UA is? Mm, oh, a drug test. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So analysis. Yeah. Yes. Um, we so use it. Odyssey uses that extensively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many times a week do they do it? Three. Three. Mm -hmm. For every single client. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because just, I mean, because people, you know, people go out and work, sure. work and, you know, mm -hmm. for court appearances or, or whatever. You get you know, go down for a medical appointment. You can always run into one of your, the old, your old allies who, who would 
slip you something. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny is you just mentioned something. I'll get off track for a second, but if in my case, being an alcoholic, you have your drinking buddies, mm -hmm. and you think that those relationships are so important. And so, and the second that you stop, yeah, they're gone. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, and not that they're horrible people, but they don't necessarily want to see someone who's walked away because it shines a light on their dependence. And it yeah. seems like everybody's when when you're all together having fun and and are high. It, it seems like everybody's having fun at the time, but then if you get sober, it's it's a lot different, you mm -hmm. know. Or if you're sober and they're not, it's a lot different. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that was my time between jail and Odyssey is being around. Um, I had a few friends that were sober that I was staying with, but they were still hanging around active users. And so, I mean, I'd fall asleep in the back of the car because they're staying up all night. And next thing I know, we all have to ditch the car and we're running and I'm s sober. And I'm like, I'm not cut out for this anymore, you guys. Like, I can't do this. I need but to go somewhere else. One of the misconceptions, if you're watching this show and, and you've got a drug or alcohol problem, that once you stop doing drugs or alcohol, that you don't have fun anymore. And nothing could be further from the truth. So tonight, I, I will do a podcast with four people who will be using a lot of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of laughs, and I have as much fun as I ever would have before. See, yeah. I, for me, it was an adjustment uh, because what seemed like fun, I, I had to readjust my thinking is that it's not really that much fun sitting at a bar and just drinking all day. Uh, but it seemed like it was fun at the time. And so you do other things and you hang around other people. What was it like for Do you agree with that or, or I mean, yeah. how do you have fun now sober? Um, it's usually the little things, like just even being able to stay home is fun to me. I'm a homebody, so I don't, like, go anywhere, really, you know? And then when we go do something, it's extremely fun, like, um, motocross or monster trucks or, you know, something like, to be able to remember that moment, it's not just a blurred, drug-induced, <laughs> you know, yeah. faded memory, it's just... That's interesting you say that, because when you're, when you are on drugs or alcohol you look for big fun things to do mm -hmm. but maybe in life the funnest things are the little, little things yeah yeah I mean, the interaction with your kid the... mm -hmm. I love scaring him <laughs> like that's probably what makes me laugh the hardest throughout the entire week is just catching him around the corner and scaring the daylights out of my son and it is hilarious to me so your son hard. had that awkward conversation with you at the room mm -hmm. what's your relationship like now is he incredibly proud of you? Oh, my son, I was just blessed. I've been, I don't know how I got, because I was a brat when I was a child and a teenager. My son is just sweet. He's this giant, loving, endearing teddy bear. Like, he's more emotionally attached to things than I am. I'm very closed off most of the time. And, uh, but he's just, our relationship, like, he's the realest person on my team. My son will always tell me what he really thinks, how he really feels. And... But we have an amazing communication. Like my son, we don't have any barriers between us anymore. And like I wouldn't know where I'd be without him. He's the sweetest. So on a previous show, we were talking with a young lady who'd been in the program and now works at Odyssey House, mm -hmm. and she talked about parents who potentially have lost a through addiction or through challenges. They don't have contact with their kids 
from previous relationship and start mm -hmm. new families and not making those same mistakes again is so important to those people. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like because your son has forgiven you that you could, you've just got a clean slate to move forward or do you still think about maybe some of the things in the past that you've done? I always, I always worry if I have another child that my son will feel like he got the short end of the stick somewhere because he did have to go through so much so I don't know that I would feel like my slate is clean but I would be, I don't know, I would just absorb the moments a little slower, you know, as raising a child and like really soak in that I'm being a parent, you know, and uh, take it as a second chance to get it right and not miss out on a few years, you know. So when you got out of Odyssey House a couple years ago, talk about the feeling on that day. So we've discussed your first day going in and um, you, you looked at it like, holy smoke, what did I get into? Mm -hmm. What was that day of graduation like? It was overwhelming. I was just like, because I, I only have one peer who was in the house with me almost the entire 10 months that I lived in residential that is still sober to this day. So to be one of a small handful of people who didn't, I mean, a lot of them are sober now again or relapsed, but they struggled, you know, it was just like, um, I don't know, just, I was just ecstatic, like so proud of myself that I did it. I did Odyssey of all places. Like I did Odyssey and it was okay. And we're going to be okay from here on because that, that's the hard stuff, you know, it's facing everything and going through all the family therapies and stuff. Like that was the hard part. That is a badge yeah. of honor. You know, and, and people, when you see graduation galas, you can see the pride that people have on their faces because they have gone through. I don't think, I, I mean, you know, I, I work at Odyssey in the administration building, and I've taken you guys through the through some of our houses, and you saw the adult house, and I don't know that I could live in that kind of chaos and drama for as long as it takes <laughs> to so graduate from Odyssey. I mean, it's... It, it's, it's Randall, we went through on a Monday at one of the houses, and it was constant chaos. Well, it seems like it to an outsider, but sure. it's sort of organized chaos. Mm -hmm. no, you, don't you think? There's you were in parents, chaos. right? Yeah, I was in the parents program. Mm -hmm. Which is smaller. You guys were in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the parents program, um, it is, it doesn't, it's all day. You don't have a moment to rest because once you're done with group and then you're done with department, you're with your kids. And they're on a strict schedule, you know. It's homework and then somebody's cooking or cleaning for dinner and then cleaning after dinner and then um, it's you know maybe playtime if, if the weather permits it or depending on what level you're at or you know and um, a little bit maybe like an hour you get to spend actually with your child and in interaction and then it's bedtime routines and then once your child's asleep you're up cleaning the house and doing your nightly meeting and then you're back to sleep at about 11 and up at 6 to do it all over again so it's like it's chaos with kids, you know? <laughs> One of the things I really like about Odyssey is you're in a situation that is not, it's not a white glove, hot tub, and personal chef and masseuse oh, no, type no, of program. No, you and, do and, it all yourself. But all on the other hand, when you get out into the real world, mm -hmm. you've been taught life skills because nothing is, mm -hmm. nothing is perfect. Oh, and I was a house supervisor and house coordinator through almost probably about six out of my 10 months in the house. More, actually more than that, probably about seven out of the 10 months. So my job was to foresee everybody else's jobs and then if they didn't do it, I was, I had to do it. I had to learn how to delegate versus I'll just do it myself, you know? And it is ordering your groceries, planning events, 
way ahead of time, making sure you have all the supplies for those events. Like, it really does teach you how to, how. And, and like, those skills out. are very needed in the work environment. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. Someone who can take a situation. A lot of organizational stuff. I mm -hmm. mean, you, you, I can't even imagine. I have trouble going to the grocery store for myself. But think of, you know, they order all the, they think of food for, what, 16 to 20 adults and mm -hmm. then, what, 25 kids yeah. or something. I mean, that's hard. And it's for an entire week. You don't get a run dismiss if you forgot the milk, you know? <laughs> you, you, there was times where we would uh, not have enough milk. So we had more infants than normal or toddlers than normal you know you had to shop it wasn't just like every week this is what we get every week it fluctuated depending on who, who sure. was staying in the house and so. what what do you do outside now what is your i'm an account coordinator so i i um they call us the solutions team and so it's it's the same thing organizing chaos and de-escalating situations and making sure everybody's accountable for their jobs and a lot of micromanaging and keeping our big contracts happy do you love love what you do i do I do. I love my job, and I love my boss, and I have amazing coworkers. I love it there. And think of the skills that she that she picked up in Odyssey House in terms, of, and then relating that to what you do now. Mm -hmm. You know, would you say de-escalating stuff? Yeah. I mean, you gotta understand. Like, it, it, we have a my uh, moms and dads program, but it's primarily women, and so you got sixteen women <laughs> in there with kids. <laughs> who are all coming from different backgrounds, who are all addicted to something, and they're all going through treatment at the same time, mm -hmm. and there are arguments, and there are disagreements. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I, I've sat through several groups, and, and, and uh, you know, some of the women are really bitchy to some of the other women. Yeah, know? oh, I guess yeah. a lot of it is with the kids' interactions, too. Like, my son yeah. would get bullied, and it was hard to not teach him to hit back, you know, say no, you know, you're only in control of yourself, not how other kids treat you, and then do not hold resentments towards the parents of those kids, like, why can't you correct your child's yeah. behavior, you know, and it would, it would get, it would get escalated quickly in there, yeah. But, see, those are the life skills that I, that I think Odyssey teaches people, because you mentioned, like, a hot tub and, and your own personal <laughs> chef or something, who lives like that? I mean, yeah. I guess if you well anchors, you know, well, sure, four, TV right? anchors, yeah. <laughs> no, but but unless you're a millionaire or something, or it's not even cool being a millionaire anymore. But if, if you have tons of money and you live like that, then you're used to it, and maybe. But you gonna, still have, regardless of where you are in life, there are triggers. Oh sure, that occur for whomever. But, mm -hmm. but and see, that's what that, to me, that's what that's what why odyssey works so well is it's it's more realistic in terms of the way people live life you know she she had to i've i've heard you know our clients hold each other accountable and when i've been in the parents program it'll be stuff she talked about she'll say you know they'll say uh sabrina you really upset me last night when i saw you uh verbally chastised my son mm -hmm. and then she's got to stand up and say whoever you know i'm sorry i did that but here's what here's what was happening but but so you're learning to civilly deal with stuff and, and you can't run off and and drink or 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 use when you're in a situation like this you deal with it you know mm -hmm. upset um when you address my child i mean with when you and your tone and approach was off it isn't um you know i'm sorry that i made you feel that way and then you go into it a lot of time that's it you apologize you validate their feelings and you shut it down so i happen to learn how to 
swallow your justifications. Boy, that would save hard. a lot of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard though to not not want to jump in and be like, "Well, you're trying," you know. Yeah, that's it. You you validate their feelings so, and you shut so, it down. So you've done it. You know, mm -hmm. you say you upset me, and you say I'm sorry I upset you, and and then you move on. Yeah, and, and boy, this conflict resolution, you should maybe teach that the mm -hmm. Odyssey House method mm -hmm. because in corporate life or in business life or personal life, you know, little blow-ups can have such major ramifications. Yeah, and I will. So a lot of my job is micromanagement, and I will have got a, like there's a specific team where sometimes I'll send them an email, and a lot of times. They've learned to just respond with, I'm sorry I did that. Like, <laughs> I won't do that later. You know, you know, versus, well, this was going on and we were short-staffed and I'm just don't You know it. what's amazing in life? When you learn the lesson that so much of conflict in life is determining whether you did something or not. If you just say, you know, I did it mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, I'll try not to. You can take a big problem that could take days yeah. and nip it in the bud. And you did do it. Yeah. But we'll come up with ways of denying it, and that is a skill that could save a lot of people a lot of time, money, and emotional baggage. Well, and it works well in um, addiction as well, justifying why you used or, mm -hmm. you know, why why you robbed a store or why you broke into a house. You know, all these justifications. Sometimes you just did something that you ought not have done, and that's it. That's all there is to it, you know. It's a thinking error. It's justifying and minimi minimizing and, and rationalizing, and people... It's more, I think it's more common, it's just as common in the workforce as it is in addicts to justify sure. oh, and minimize. No so, yeah. So, Sabrina, it sounds like the company that you're working for is very lucky to have you. Thank you. And it sounds like your son is very lucky to have you as a mother. Thank you. Thank you. So you went through a lot of hard works and pain, some suffering, but it's all worth it now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would never want to go back. I love Odyssey, but I haven't, like, I think it's half the chaos when I stop by to jump into a group and I'm like oh man like I don't know how I did this or 10 months now you know but um definitely that whole entire experience everything that I went through happened for a reason I learned from it and it's made me a better person today even the worst parts of it you so, know and she must have been wonderful there because I called you know I talked to the program director and I said you know we're looking for people who uh who you might recommend to to do these podcasts and and her name was the first one to come up, you know. So I, and you, Randall called you on the phone and you came. <laughs> yeah, I did send a screenshot of the address to some friends. Just okay, like, you know, as well. Because I don't, I don't make it a habit to meet random, random people anywhere into some setback area. So, yeah, I did. I made sure I was okay. Thank you so much for coming You're in. You're welcome. You're so, welcome. Randall, as usual, great show. Yeah, I, I really appreciate. Uh, yeah. You know the point of the point of this, and, and we hope you know you hope you feel like you helped or that we're helping on this. But the reason we talk about what you went through is is we hope that other people who are seeing the same thing realize that there's hope no matter where you are, and you don't have to be in jail and calling your seven year old son saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to see you anymore, uh, for for somebody to get into a program and get sober. I mean, compare. I, I mean, do we have a second? Sure. Uh, you know, what was life like when you were when you were in that mode compared to now? I mean, I didn't know you back then. I, mean, um, I was not a good person. To say the very least, back then I was not a good person. And most of my coworkers didn't know I was an addict for years. 
Um, a heroin addict that nobody knew. Nobody knew. I brought it about to my boss, I think about two years into my employment, and was like, hey, you probably don't know this, but this is why, you know, on my on my resume there was a huge gap <laughs> from so, em of employment. But uh, were you? What were you doing at that time that you'd had a good job for two years and... Do you mind mentioning what you were doing? Oh, I, it came up with my boss. Um, I was leaving one apartment. My lease was up, and I went to go stay with a family member who had recently relapsed. And so I had to spend two weeks on his couch while he was using in his bathroom. And I'd get up in the mornings, and there I could smell heroin, you know. And I just told my boss, like, this is my history, and I, I need you to help keep an eye on me for a little bit. If I start calling in or falling asleep, you know, just, just help me. And he was extremely welcoming and opening about it and understood and like, you know, definitely. And I told my closest, most of my closest coworkers knew already, but it's slowly gotten across the office. So, and they How, how often do you have to use heroin to, to be happy? Then, oh, I was using it like every two hours, you know. It, it depends on the person. Some people don't start to feel. So you would shoot up every two hours? Oh, I never shot up. I was a smoker. I would smoke heroin. Yeah, um, but yeah, I constantly had, you know, my, my foil of heroin on me and was smoking as often as I could, constantly. The personal like, drug. You can mm -hmm. snort it, smoke it, or shoot it. Mm -hmm. See? Wow, yeah. very adaptable. Isn't yeah, it? well, and I didn't, I didn't know you could smoke heroin until I had already smoked it. I went from smoking pain pills to smoking heroin. And so... Um, and for our viewers, this sounds desperate, but... <laughs> When you have that need, and, and in my experience, I've never mm -hmm. done heroin, but it, they say that grip, the way it grips you is just insane. Well, I had used um, other drugs at younger, a you know, younger age, and it would, it would be recreational pills and meth and smoked weed and did all these things and drank. I mean, all starting from the age of about 13, off and on until I got pregnant when I was 16, and nothing grabbed me the way heroin did. I mean, it had surgeries where I had to take pain pills for long amounts of times and it never grabbed me the way heroin did. Once heroin, it's like the antichrist, you know, it just, it seems so euphoric and so beautiful to you and, and I had PTSD so it helped cure my nightmares and my daily anxiety attacks and all these things that came along with having PTSD that I was taking all these medications for. Do you mind if we for. ask about your PTSD? No, I, no, it's, um, so when I was 16, I was raped by, um, an older gentleman, and that's actually how I conceived my son, and he was locked in a trailer for three days, and that's how I got pregnant, so there was a lot of, I didn't realize I had PTSD until my son was about 18 months old, and I walked into the store and had a panic attack, mm. and realized then I was diagnosed, and I was on, I mean, a pill cocktail for between night terrors and day terrors and anxiety attacks and you name it and heroin was a cure-all for that no more nightmares when you sleep it's just black you know so since you've been clean as part of going through odyssey house and all the group has that taken your pt dsd and and what what has it done for that for you there's a lot of closure there like i can i can talk about how i got pregnant and I think my biggest issue when I do talk about it is hearing, I'm so sorry that happened because I'm not. You know, I go through that every day to have my son. And it just made, gave me um, an all across the board acceptance of my what my life is supposed to be. I'm supposed to have my son. I don't have any other kids. He's 12, you know, I'm almost 30. Like this, and if I hadn't had my son, would I have ever gotten into or out of addiction? 
and I was, I'm sure I would have, and I wouldn't have had that rock bottom to get me out of it. So and one of the things that's interesting in 12-step programs is they tell you <coughs> that you don't necessarily have to get off at the basement. You can choose when you want to stop doing drugs or alcohol. And for many people, they don't hit rock bottom. They, they're functioning alcoholics mm -hmm. and go to work every day and, and make that choice that they, okay, I've had enough. I want a better life. Yeah. And for people watching the show, if you've got questions, if you've got challenges, there's a number on our screen for Odyssey House. And give that number a call. And in previous shows, we've talked about programs for parents or loved ones where there's a lot of people out there in the Salt Lake metropolitan area that want to help. And regardless of what your means are, what your situation is, there, there is help. So give that number a call, and if Odyssey House can't help you or your loved one, they'll recommend some good people sure, to talk sure. to. And Because uh, so, we have so many programs, I showed you around. She was part of the parents program, which mm -hmm. is moms and dads, and we have child services to take care of the kids while they're in therapy in the daytime, mm -hmm. and then they can stay with the parents. It's a cool program. We have an adolescent program uh, for kids 13 upward to 18, where they, they, it's a residential program, they, it's not a lockdown. Uh, none of our places are lockdowns. They're secure at, at parents and at adolescent, you can't get in. You can't just walk in off the street to keep everybody secure. Uh, and they, they get to continue their education at our residential facility. We have uh, teachers from the Salt Lake City School District coming in uh, to the to the adolescent program. And Lee and I got a chance to visit yeah, that facility. That. that was amazing. And so we have parents and we have three adult residential programs. Uh, we have an outpatient program. We have a medical clinic. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we have, and then we have a family support group that, that I went to last night. Um, and it's where, where par it'd be like if your parents were upset with you or, or a spouse or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how to deal with this person, and, and it helps you deal with your loved ones who are addicts or alcoholics. So there's a lot of programs, and they're almost all full, but the one thing we can provide is, and like I said, Odyssey's not for everybody. Um, no programs for everybody. Uh, and you had mentioned if you aren't ready, then no program will take It doesn't care. matter. You can yeah. go to that program that has butlers and chefs and everything else. Yeah. If you're not ready, you're not going to I could use a month off, Randall. I know. <laughs> Do you want to set one up? I'll take a month's vacation and have my own personal chef and hot tub and masseuse. And we, I, we had a guy stop down at Odyssey House when I first started working there for, who runs a, a treatment center in, in Hawaii. And it's right on the shore of a bay... And, and, and I, I saw the, I mean, I saw his brochure and everything. It's like, whoa, you know. That's <laughs> almost worth a relapse yeah, to, to yeah. get in there. That's, huh? I, that's what I, I mean, we joked about it. We said, hey, everybody ready to relapse and go to this place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you want your insurance? It's like yeah. a vacation yeah. of your insurance yeah. And ironically, <laughs> having been a broadcaster on the Big Island for a year, that's a place that looks like paradise, but the amount of drugs and alcohol abuse, oh, yeah. is, oh, and it's family-wise. Mm -hmm. It's hor it's yeah. a tough situation. So, addiction can be everywhere. So again, if you've got some questions, call that number you see on the screen. And Odyssey House, if it's not right for you or your loved one, certainly can give you some great advice and give you some good direction because there is an answer. 
And three of us sitting here right now have been through <laughs> some tough times and are very happy to be here. And, and uh, thank you again so much for coming on. You're very welcome. We appreciate I'm it. I'm glad you took my phone call, Sabrina. <laughs> me too, me too. I don't take Randall's <laughs> very often. Very few people do, thank you. <laughs> thank you, my dear. We'll see you next time on Odyssey House Journals. For Randall Cunningham, Randall Carlisle, Randall Cunningham, the former quarterback, <laughs> Randall Carlisle, I'm Trip Mitchell saying we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.